We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, welcome to the True Faith Podcast. Uh, you've got myself, Alex Hurst, Simon Carmel, and a very special guest tonight. I'm pretty sure all of you will know who he is through his various exploits as a Newcastle United fan, amongst other things, uh, Mr. Steve Wraith. Steve, thanks very much for joining us, and I suppose we'll we'll jump straight in and get your thoughts on some pretty major developments in the, over the past few days in terms of the fan base and some would argue finally a reaction to the way Mike Ashley runs the football club. Yeah, I think, you know, the if Rafa goes we go movement which I suppose we've got to call it now because it's it's built up quite a following over the over the course of the last 48 hours um, is is not surprising because obviously the 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 feeling is 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 very raw amongst Newcastle fans at the moment we had um, we had all the the hope I suppose at the at the back end of last year that there was going to be a takeover Mike Ashley had put the club up for sale made a very public statement on a on a, a recorded program on Sky Sports, saying that he wanted to put the club up for sale and you know that he would listen to any bids. We had a bidder. We had somebody who was interested. We had somebody who'd gone through the process of due diligence, um, and then ultimately we had uh, a major fallout between the two parties when you know the PR spin from both sides, it has to be says, got out of control, and we ended up with a, a not not a stalemate. We ended up with you know the owner basically saying what he wanted to say in the press about about the way that he felt business had been handled and essentially what it looked like to me as a, as a fan was that you know the one suit that we had had been humiliated in in public and and basically was never going to come back so that hope was dashed amongst the support that the club was going to be sold and there's been nobody else forthcoming so the inevitable was going to happen which was that Rafa Benitez contract um, situation was going to develop and towards the back end of last season with, with the, the place in the Premier League being secured um, you know efforts were made by Newcastle United's um, man in charge if you like on man on the man at the front Lee Charnley um, with, with his, his able sidekick Keith Bishop uh, to try and get Rafa to sign a contract and that obviously that didn't work you know there was there was no contract signing forthcoming and that obviously is something which you know they were charged with and, and they failed at so Mike Ashley was then left with you know a, a rather uncomfortable situation Rafa with a contract ebbing away with uh, you know 12 months to go and you know Newcastle secure in the Premiership which which we're all delighted about but 
with the, the obvious question of whether there was going to be any transfer funds made available. And the answer to that question is, is, is quite obvious now. You know, the club is still up for sale and he hopes he can still sell the club, you would imagine. And that means that he's not willing to spend money on players. But he's also in a position where, once again, he's put out a public statement to say that he would back the manager with any funds that he made. And we're now in a position where Rafa has made funds or we're led to believe he's made funds. I mean, we've, we've secured our place in the Premier League. The TV money, as we all know, is vast. He has wheeled and dealed fantastically well in this, in, in this you know, under this regime to the point where he, he's making a profit um, on, each, on each transfer window because he's not allowed to spend money. So even the dumbest mathematician would say that there is money there to spend, yet he's not been allowed to spend it. The question is why? And that is, you know, to me, it is because Mike Ashley still wants to sell the club. And if that's the case, then he doesn't want to spend money because why would you want to spend money if you're going to sell the club? It's not going to be your, it's not going to be your club. It's not going to be your players. He still feels that Newcastle United is an attractive option at the price that he wants. And the fact that he's upset that one buyer because there doesn't seem to be anybody else out there puts us in a, in a tricky situation. So I've gone all around the houses to say that you know, now we're in this position where the countdown clock has really started on Rafa's contract and the transfer window you know, with less, just less than three weeks remaining and all we're doing is, is selling players and, and getting rid of players who are high earners and we're bringing in loan deals and the fans are obviously not happy about it and we've all been there, we've all done it we've all protested against this regime I've protested against numerous regimes in my own ways and forms. Um, you know, going back to my very first chairman, you know, which was Gordon McKeague and Stan Seymour, that you know that kind of board. I've I stood outside the ground in the eighties and, and you know was part of United supporters for change. You know, then you fast forward to John All and Freddie Shepherd and you know all of that. You know, regime. You, you, George Forbes, you know, one who I've forgotten there, but another one, you know, being there, done and got the T-shirt, but it's it's a constant in, our, in in your life as a Newcastle fan that you're never happy with what's going on as uh, at the owners. And but this man has really pushed the boundaries, and he's upset the masses. And it's no the wonder that we have a new movement, another movement who wants to get something done. And do I agree with it? Yes, I do, because I'm a Newcastle fan who wants to see change. Um, do I think it could have been better organised and better prepared? Yes, I do, because I think, you know, the benchmark in recent years has been the Pardew Out campaign. I didn't support it at the time and wasn't, you know, wasn't against it, but at the same time, I didn't feel it was right at the time to, to voice, you know, voice my opinion about that. Uh, but Pardew Out was well organised. It was, you know, everything that they did was, was well thought out in advance. And I think they could probably learn a lot from that. But listen, it's Newcastle United supporters who want to make a difference. They can see that there's an issue with, with Mike Ashley, the owner. They can see there's a, a problem in the fact that Rafa Benitez's contract is ebbing away and we've got a really good manager there who we don't want to lose. So they've done what any supporters, any supporter can do. They've stood up and they've said, let's do something about this. And at the moment, they've got the momentum, but they need... They need to talk to other fans' organisations, which I know they've done. I know they've already contacted various people who are in, I don't like to say positions of power, but positions of influence who are part of different fans' organisations. And hopefully those meetings go well and they can learn something from that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an organisation which you know, is growing you know, week by week. And you know, let's see where it goes to.
Steve, um, interesting that you said that you, you believe that Mike Ashley still believes the club is a saleable asset at the price he's talked about. There is a a thought a thought process which people say that the club has never been up for sale. He doesn't want to sell it. He's getting too. He's making too much money from the exposure of his sports brand around the world. And despite Sports Direct's recent losses, which I think people have read a little bit too much into, with it being not that I'm an expert, mostly Debenhams based. In terms of Sports Direct, still been a very profitable business for him. Uh, I think one of the things which was in the Business Insider review of the accounts was increased turnover from worldwide sales for Sports Direct, which can't be anything but linked to Newcastle United. Do you think he's a willing uh, seller? Because the things you just said there seem to me to make, suggest to me you think he's very much motivated to sell the club. In the past, I don't think he, he ever intended on selling the club because he was on too much of a good thing. And, you know, we have to bear in mind, you know, the, the one interview he did for a club publication. I've still got it, you know, at home. The the, the, the now defunct United magazine where he did a, a 10-page interview um, talking about what his hopes and dreams are with Newcastle United. But I always point out that one paragraph in there where he said, I've bought Newcastle United to promote my sports brand globally. So anybody who ever says that Mike Ashley... You know, has, has you know has bought this club and he's changed his tune and this was all he ever bought it for. Well, yeah, you're right. That is all he ever bought it for to make Sports Direct um, a, a national and not just a national but an international company. You know, and, and he's done that. And you take your hat off to him. Myself as a as a businessman, you know, fair play to him. He's done that. However. He's, he's, he's running a football club the way that he runs other businesses and that is what has irked and, and you know riled Newcastle United supporters because it's not the way you would genuinely run a football club and it's annoyed people and upset people he's put the wrong people in charge he's put people in charge you know who, who aren't football people and you know we don't you know we don't expect anything else from somebody like Mike Ashley because you know he's he's like every big businessman who, who reaches that level he's he's done it his way and he won't change and I, I do believe he is wanting to sell this time because he went on to Sky and he, he did the interview with David Craig and you know it was very much a, a, a difference in a difference in intact and a different way of doing it you know and I genuinely don't believe he thought there was anybody out there who would come forward and want to buy it, especially not at the price, you know, that, that he put it up at. But I think, you know, I think once Amanda Stabley came in with PCP, you know, nobody really knows who her investors are. Nobody knows who the people are behind Amanda's bid for Newcastle United. But I think the fact that they came in and the price didn't put them off, gave Mike Ashley the confidence to, to continue with, with the sale. You know, maybe, maybe initially he was thinking, well, you know, I'll, I'll, give it, I'll dip me two in the water. But I think once he had Stavely on the hook, I think he thought that this is, this, is, this is something which really could generate me some big income and I can look at me other, you know, me other industries. It's difficult because, you know, genuinely none of us know. Yes, you know, I, I met Amanda Stavely and I met her husband um, and I met the team behind her. Um, as did George Culkin. You know, we met around about the same time. Um, and I think that gives me a little bit more knowledge on on what they and what their motivations were. Was it genuine? Yes, it was genuine. You know, was there, was there ever an intention to buy Newcastle United? Yes, there was. But I think what we always need to remember is that it was never Amanda's money. It's never a husband's money. Yeah, they may well have put a little bit in, but from my perspective and, and George's perspective, because he covered it well in his newspaper article subsequently, you know, you know, business was there to be done. But whenever there's a genuine takeover, we never ever see it played out in the public. And I think the biggest 
the biggest thing that everybody learned from that, and I'm talking about both sides here, was that, you know, PR agencies that were, were which were employed on both sides, you know, got carried away with themselves, and it, it made it very much a public, a public spat, and and I think both 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 sides needed to go away, lick their wounds, and decide what they were going to do. Where does that where does that put us now? I do believe Mike Ashley still wants to sell the club. I do believe uh, Amanda Staveley and her investors want to buy a football club. <laughs> Will they buy Newcastle United? That's the million-dollar question because time has passed uh, since that public spat, and are other clubs available? You know, it's easy to it's easy to look about and say, well, X, Y, and Z. Yep, they're available at this moment in time. But is there another club that's out there which which is potentially you know something that they would want to buy? A club doesn't have to be up for sale for an investor to go to them and say, look, we're interested in buying your football club. If we made you an offer, would you sell it? So there is there is that possibility that you know Amanda Stavely and her investors are looking at another football club, and if they are. That puts Newcastle second, third, fourth in line, wherever you know, wherever we feel, and that might change the whole tact again. You know, if Mike Ashley feels that Newcastle United aren't first choice for Amanda Stavely and PCP anymore, does he lower the price? Is he holding on and thinking, well, I could get through to January without spending any money, and Rafa keeps us in a certain league position, and? I get a bit more of this TV money, which, as we know, is getting paid in instalments. Does he get the opportunity then to keep that money and still try and get what he wants? Or does he reduce the price slightly because he's running out of time because he wants to sell it before the end of the season? There's a lot of question marks over it, you know, and the only people who really know the answers to these questions are Mike Ashley and and Amanda Stavely, you know, and unfortunately, you know, it doesn't matter how, how much, you know, contact George has had and how much contact I had on that, that famous day in October now but um, you know from from our perspective it's still very much between them and you know I, do, do I think Amanda's gone away no I don't do I think Newcastle United is the first you know the first team that they're looking at who knows you know because you know as I say there's a lot of a lot of water passed under the bridge now and I'd like to think and I, I would love to think that Amanda Stavely and PCP would come back in um, you know, and, and negotiate with Mike Ashley. But I still think, you know, I think with the clock ticking on Rafa's contract, the pressure is more on Ashley than it is on anybody else. And you know, it, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting couple of months. You know, once we see how the season starts, and then you know, when Newcastle or maybe come the next transfer window. But I certainly don't think that's dead in the water. But you know, Ashley again will still be hoping that there's other other suitors out there who will be interested in buying the football club. But the longer this mess drags on with Rafa. You know, it, it's certainly going to affect things. It's interesting what you said about the uh, the way the, the the takeover throughout last season got played out in the media, and I think when it started to get silly and shots were getting fired both ways, I think everyone started to think, "Oh, the wheels are coming off this, and is it really going to happen?" If the, the way they're going on, and everyone came to the conclusion, "Well, this is how Mike actually conducts his business. That, that's that's what he does." I guess my question from that is, is is that are we now or fans starting to realise that we have to kind of play him at his own game? Is that what this kind of if Rafa goes, we go movement, as you call it, is is about? Do we need to start getting a bit dirty with him? Do we need to start kind of getting a getting a bit of media presence? Because 
this is how he does business. Do we need to start like getting getting a message out there through the media? Through I mean, social media is a powerful tool, and it, it's an ex- very exclusive to the people who are on it. So there's lots of people who probably still don't even know anything about if Rafa goes because you know if you're not on Twitter, you're not going to know what people are talking about. But at the same time, is that, is that the channel that we as fans have got to go down, play him in his own game, get get a bit dirty, make some news articles, start to hit him in a way that that he behaves? Is that the only thing that Mike actually cares about, really, is is his own businesses and, and sports direct is his baby. Um, you know, I've said this before. I said it at the, uh, the, the you know the talk that we did at the the Irish Centre uh, last year that you know sports direct is is, is 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 the target for for a lot of people's anger. And you know we've seen it in the past where you know people have, have mimicked it and had a, had a go at it. But ultimately, it. Everything that you do against Mike Ashley and Sports Direct, whether it's having a pop at him on social media or whether it's putting some banners up outside the ground, you know, and the ill-fated, you know, funeral march that was done, all of those, all of those kind of things, all it does is draw attention to Mike Ashley and Sports Direct. And I, I remember sitting back after after you know Mike Ashley out did the funeral, and of course I was asked to be the vicar on that particular day by the Mike Ashley out group. Um, not something I'm particularly proud of, but at the same time I did it because I, I did it because I believed in in what I was doing at the time. And I I actually got a message back from somebody at the club to say, "Oh, Mike really enjoyed your protest," <laughs> you know. And I thought, you know, that's not what you want to hear because you know basically all it did was it prolonged it prolonged it in the news. It, it got two or three days coverage. Um, it obviously got me a, a lifetime of grief, you know, which which I laugh at these days. And, you know, it, I'm very thick-skinned, but at the same time, it just all it did was promote Sports Direct as a brand. You know, we sitting around this table today are talking about Mike Ashley, but you know, every other sentence probably we end up mentioning his sports brand, and it constantly promotes it, and and, and that's what we do. So playing it in his own game, I, you know. None of us can actually physically take on Mike Ashley with you know with anything really because of yeah you know, basically because because of his financial status you know unless we have 400 million which you know we're ready to plonk down in front of him take the football club over none of us have ever got a chance of doing anything with him you can you can embarrass maybe his Mike you can annoy him you can you know you know you can you know you could do do things against you know the brand but you know in in it. In the grand scheme of things, it's probably like the wasp we've had flying around the table for the last ten minutes. You know, it annoys you for a, it annoys you for about a minute, and then you know you move on to something else. You know, and I think really the, the the, the thing that really knocked him, if if anything, was was when his business practices were getting hauled in front of you know the national media. Um, that's something which you know you can probably you know look at. You, you know, we've got some fantastic MPs in the northeast. You know, uh, Sheehan Wura and Ian Mearns and uh, you know so on and so forth. And those people maybe you know tabling motions which question his business practices and and target things like that because they're Newcastle fans. You know, it doesn't mean that they're, they're not allowed to do that. They can do it if if they feel genuinely have rights and you know hopefully something like that will develop over the next over the next couple of weeks because I know they're as annoyed as the next person um, and, and that is something positive that we can do but things like this do they, do they annoy him no I don't really think they do he doesn't come to the games anymore home or away you know if he if he comes to the Tottenham game it's because you know I think we all know he's got a, a soft spot for the for, for, for Tottenham Hotspur um, if he goes to the odd game in London maybe that's just to you know to, to have an, a, a day out with friends but we don't see him at the games anymore because he's he's not in love with the game of football and he's certainly not in love with Newcastle United um he probably regrets buying it, you know, now in, in, in a lot of ways, but 
he won't regret it because it's put his, his sports brand on the map which is what he wanted in the first place and I, I just think you know with you know the, the, the Rafa protest we've got at the moment it's 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 going to last as long as maybe you know the bad form lasts if Newcastle get off to a bad start of the season our fixture list hasn't been kind to us you know if we lose our first three games you know it's going to build momentum you know if we beat Tottenham in the first game of the season where do they go you know how do, how do, they, how do they work because you're seeing stats at the moment people going online and saying that we've got 5,000 season tickets left you know they haven't sold out price hikes have affected that because you know we're still in a, a relatively you know poor area of the country but you know if, if Newcastle go on a, a little run and you know they win the first couple of games uh, and, and we'll find ourselves in the top three or top four in the first couple of weeks of the season those, those season tickets will get snapped up and we'll be back to square one we'll have 52,000 people in the ground and it'll you know it, it'll probably just lose momentum but I think that it's just going to be interesting to see how it all develops with, with that and you know as I say it's got my back into a degree you know I, I love to see people other than myself and the usual suspects standing up and, and trying to be counted um, and you know hopefully the, you know, they can push on and, and, and if things you know hopefully things develop for the better and they don't have to push on but if 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 things as we expect take a turn for the worst then you know this movement's going to grow and, and and hopefully it has a desired effect but will it affect Mike Ashley probably not so that was really interesting Stephen I think like you say you're probably one of the best placed people in terms of the sheer number of issues we've had with owners and in your involvement from the early days um fanzine stuff like that or all that you're around and the, the different owners that you've named there before we move on to Rafa if if you could give advice to um, these people behind the, the new movement and they do listen um, to the podcast so like you know they're listening now what would you what would you say to them what would your advice be and I'm sure you you would be the first to admit that it's not a, an exact science yeah, yeah. But, but but in terms of Newcastle fans want to get rid of Mike Ashley what's your advice I think for the for the new movement it's simply you know you've got off to a good start you need to build on it but you know make sure that you, you've got an organising committee and, you, and you're talking to other people who've been there done it and got the t-shirt you know there's um, there's a wealth of a wealth of talent and expertise who's been through this before you know I could I could rattle off names like Colin Whittle um, obviously true face Michael Martin Steve Hasty, Bill Corcoran um, Neil Mitchell you know from you know people who were involved with the trust in the early days who then went on to form NUFC Fans United you know there's a, there's a lot of people out there who've got you know war medals if you like from this kind of this kind of like campaign um, I just think it's just you know not being afraid to be wrong and, 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 and holding your hands up and, and admitting you're wrong but I just think that it just needs to be focused on you know working with working with other groups you know it took me a while to come round to, to support and the trust um, you know I had my own issues early doors with the trust but I think when, when I look at it now it's it's the only viable option for me to, to move forward working with you know with Newcastle United you know because whether you whether you agree with what they're doing or whether you disagree with what they're doing the trust can be used in so many positive ways you know with with the club so I, I genuinely feel that you know they should look at contacting you know the, the trust and trying to work with them you know that there's a lot of good work can be done and I think that that's what they need to look at so moving on to the the man that everyone everyone wants to talk about at the minute and it is going to be a, an ongoing issue this season in every press conference in every match report anyone writes in every pre and post match conversation will be Rafa Benitez's contract I know 
but you um, you probably spoke to the man more than most than the rest of us. Um, have you got any insight from his people and the people you speak to about about how I mean how is he, how is he feeling about this as a bloke first and foremost? This is a man who I presume wants is desperate to stay in Newcastle and grow it from the ground up. How from from what you're told, how is Rafa handling this situation? I've been in a in a privileged position really because when Rafa came to the club, he reached out um, to me via his advisors just to to basically tie him up with people in the local community. So whether that was fans groups or whether it was charities, um, obviously Newcastle Legends, the company that I run, that's what we do. You know, we work on work on our own events, but we also try to help out you know football clubs or charities to try and raise money by supplying Newcastle Legends former players to their events. And I think you know it was word of mouth really from. From one or two other people who've been at the club in the past who you know reached out uh, to Rafa and his advisors that you know I was maybe somebody that would want to speak to when they came to Newcastle and and that's that that's it it's as simple as that that's how I found myself in a in a you know in a privileged position and, and in close proximity to Rafa and nothing more sinister or suspicious than that and and it's been it's been a it's been an enjoyable experience because it's meant that I've been able to take people who've bid um, a lot of money uh, on a Rafa experience which has been a, a chance to take fans and supporters um, who, who've been for uh, a, a package at a charity event to a game they've been able to go and have a, uh, a corporate experience they've been able to sit in the director's box and then at the end of the game we've been able to take them down and see Rafa in the manager's office and have a chat with them so you know it's been it's been great really for, for me over the last couple of years to be able to do that and I've got to know Rafa. I've got, you know, got got to got to know him. I've, you know, I've got to the point where, you know, you go in and you sit and talk to him when he talks football. I know you guys had a similar experience when he went up to the um, to the training ground. He's he's welcoming. He's friendly, and there's there's nothing false about him. And automatically, he just goes into football mode, and he wants to know your opinion. And, and he's no different after a game. He'll come in after doing his, his interview on Sky Sports, which is, you know, and, and, and his commitments to match of the day. And then, you know, we're in the, we're in the manager's office waiting for him. And he, he comes in and he, he's superb. He comes in and he, he greets everybody as if, he, as if he's met them before. You know, he, he then wants to know what you thought about the game. Obviously, he'll speak to his advisors, but then he, he speaks to you, you know. And at very early doors, I was quite reticent to say what I thought, but now I've just. You know, I've eased up and I'll say, well, I thought he had a good game, or you know, why didn't you play him? Or you know, maybe he's a little joke, but he's he just he enjoys talking football, as does his coaching staff. You know, the coaching staff are all very, you know, very you know, uh, friendly and amicable, and, and also willing to talk football. So it's you know, my my experience at football as a manager was at Sunday league level, but you know, I did 20 years of that, and I. I, I I beg to differ anybody who thinks that, you know, doesn't matter what level you manage at, you, 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 can, you can have a conversation about football, about whether you think your centre-half played well or whether the centre-forward wasn't getting any service. And I, I've just done that with Rafa and it's been, it's been great to be able to, to, to liaise and, and speak to one of the best managers in the world like that. On his situation now and, and how things have developed, you know, it's not really a conversation I've had with him. Um, I'm not that close to him. I don't have his phone number. I can't just pick the phone to him. It's his advisor, so I'm, you know, who I've become very friendly with. Um, but, you know, obviously you, you pick things up and you see things, and you know, he, he just 
he's a very proud man. He's somebody who is proud of his achievements with this football club. You can see that he's proud of his achievements with the limited budget that he's been allowed. And I think the most frustrating thing for me to be in his presence and listen to what he thinks about the club and what he thinks about the fans and, 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 and his ideas for what he wants to do, to see that all being diminished, you know, week by week, month by month, and now year by year, by an owner who hasn't had the foresight to give him any investment is is depressing for me because I'm seeing it I'm seeing it firsthand and I'm seeing the way that he greets people from the charities or be, you know greets people from different organisations and I'm thinking this guy is just like a PR dream you know for our football club not just a PR dream but he's also you know he's he's, a, he's just a fantastic football manager and somebody who we should be encouraging. And I think it's, it's the most frustrating thing is that, you know, we sat back and watched somebody like Steve McLaren being given £80 million to spend in a transfer window and they won't give, they won't give Rafa £8 million. You know, it, it, it's just, it just soul-destroying. But I do feel, you know, that, um, you know, the fact that, you know, the fact that Rafa's stayed, you know, a lot's being made of the fact of the, you know, the fact that he would have to pay to get out of his contract and, you know, that's the case with most situations like this. If Rafa wanted to go tomorrow, um, you're not telling me that a football club like Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, whoever it was, if they wanted Rafa Benitez, they wouldn't they wouldn't automatically pay the five or six million that Rafa has in his contract. I think that's I think that's pointless. I think the simple fact of the matter is that Rafa Benitez loves Newcastle United, he loves the supporters, and he sees it as a project, which is what he was talking about from day one. It's a project. And he sees that project, you know, not just as the football team and the first team, but he sees it as the academy. He sees it as a, a blank canvas which he can mould into the Rafa Benitez like way of doing things. And you know, if he gets that opportunity, honestly, this club will fly. Like it, it really will, with with 52,000 supporters behind it, just going to the games. But globally, the amount of supporters we know we've got, we could be as big as Manchester United. There's no doubt about it. Globally. But that needs somebody with um, his knack in the manager's dugout, and it needs somebody, you know, somebody with a bit of foresight and a bit of a bit of ingenuity, but a little bit of bravery as well to say, "Look, I'll back you, Rafa, because I believe you can do this." And you know, that's what we need. Unfortunately, Mike Ashley's not the person who's willing to have that gamble. It's ironic because he's a big gambler. He's, he's just not willing to, to have that gamble. And if we have somebody in the in the boardroom who's willing to have that gamble. Listen, we've got the man who will 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 not be talking about Kevin Keegan as as much as we have been for years. The entertainers, etc., were fantastic, but you know we'll be talking about we'll talk we'll talk about the generation that that won that elusive trophy and continues to win trophies. But Rafa's got to be given a chance. It's interesting that what you said about about 20 minutes ago about the the clock is now ticking for Mike Ashley. It's it's the Rafa clock. And it, and it, it does feel like that. It feels like we've got less than a year left of, of Rafa Benitez now. And my, my take on it has always been, let's just enjoy this while it lasts. And, and even if Rafa gets no back in this season, based on his achievements last season, we could still somehow, you know, finish mid-table again and, and have a run in a cup. And that that makes me positive enough to want to just see out the season. But in your opinion, is that it? Is it by the come July 2019, is it a case of either Ashley has to have sold the club or have had a massive change of heart and and, and given him some money? Do you, th- do you think that's where the story ends if if neither of those things happen? I, I really do. I, I think I think it's now a big it's a big game of cat and mouse. Um, it's been a big game of cat and mouse for the last 12 months, but I do think now I think that yeah, it's 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 decision time, you know, and it, it really just depends what Mike Ashley wants out of Newcastle United. You know, if he wants out. 
then he's the clock's ticking for Mike Ashley as opposed to ticking for Rafa Benitez. Rafa obviously believes that a takeover is still a possibility and that is why he's sticking around. I think he, he genuinely must look at this football club and he loves it that much to think, well, you know, let's do another 12 months. He, he, his head must be battered this, this summer, you know, because they're not going for plan A or plan B, they're going for plan C and plan D as far as transfers are concerned. But you have to take your hat off to the people who do the transfer business for Rafa because when you look at what happened last year, you know, in the, in the two windows, the business he did was tremendous considering how much money he was given. Yeah. You know, the players that he brought in uh, you know, t- to get promotion from the championship were essentially used you know, last season to keep us in the Premier League. We haven't got that excuse this season because those players are now Premier League players. You know, anyone who says it's a championship squad in the Premiership, you know, you know, it's it's not true. These now are considered as Premier League players because we finished 10th, albeit on goal difference, but we finished 10th in the Premier League. The business that's done this summer is, is going to be vital. Um, you know, are we going to get the same luck with uh, injuries? Who knows? Suspensions, you know, we didn't we didn't end up with the envisaged suspensions, you know. A lot of people question Mark over Shelby's temperament. Apart from that, you know, unfortunate sending off against Spurs when we all know that, you know, it should have been Harry Kane walking down the tunnel. Um, you know, Shelby did very, very well last season. Um, you know, we did we did have a fair run of luck last season and you don't get that every year. It changes year to year, it doesn't balance up throughout the season. And I think we'll look at that and think, well, that's going to play its part but let's just say you know that, that Newcastle get to January and they're not in the relegation zone um, I, th- I think that could be a big I think that could be a big turning point I think you know that is when you know we may see some kind of movement on the takeover I don't think we're going to see anything before the end of the year um, a lot depends on whether there's another buyer out there or whether um, you know Amanda Staveley and her investors and, and Mike Ashley are talking again and can and can come to some kind of mutual arrangement, you know. But it, like the last takeover, um, when Mike Ashley came in, I think we'll all wake up one morning and something will have happened, you know. But it, it, I agree with you. I think we've got to enjoy this season, and and that means you know, not protesting in the ground, not shouting and bawling against the owner inside the ground. You know, we didn't do we we haven't done that for for a couple of seasons now because we've had Rafa. I think you know. Whatever, whatever happens, we need to look at this and, and back Rafa and the lads, as we always do, home and away, and make sure that um, you know any negativity is left outside because it, it doesn't do doesn't do the players any good, and it, it, it puts the club, if you like, in distress. And I think that any potential buyer will will not want to buy into the uh, uh, you know a club with a, a distressed fan base. We can be distressed, but we can be distressed in other ways. And I think that um, you know we have to think long and hard. And, and anyone wanting a campaign needs to look long and hard about how they do it, and not just take a knee-jerk reaction off somebody's response on Twitter. You know, you need to you need to think it out. Any protest needs to be thought out, needs to be discussed, and needs to be done properly. Um, but as I've said, you know. Any 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 groups like that really should be should be focusing their attention on supporting the team and 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 you know forgetting about any animosity they've got towards the regime whilst Rafa's still here. You know, Steve, we've, we've done how long have we done? We've done quite long, so 35 minutes. Uh, listeners have been very lucky to listen to our interviews with Nikos Dabizas and Ryan Taylor. Both tremendous interviews, great lads. I know the lads who interviewed them. Were you, were you at one side? You and Taylor were just blown away how by how by nice they were. How's, how, how did Newcastle Legends start off? And um, have you got anyone big coming up in the next couple of months you might want to give a plug to? 
I mean, I've been, I've been involved in in a, in a couple of companies. I mean, essentially, you know, most people know me from being a doorman in Newcastle City Centre, and and that's how it started. I, I networked with with you know Newcastle players. Most doormen in Newcastle are into boxing and MMA. They're not football fans, and I was different. So you know, I did the door for 18 years, got to know the players. Um, I looked I looked out for the players, I looked after the players as any fan would do. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, prime example is when um, I worked at Tiger Tiger, and all the Sunderland team came waltzing down as he used to down the down the barriers on a Monday night on student night to get in and I made them queue and then uh, there was a 17 year old Sammy Amiobi I knew he was underage came, came and I said lads can you just wait there and then I opened the gate and let Sammy Amiobi through and uh, Shola and Darren Bent I remember looking at us going what have you let them in for us I've got to let the footballers in first lads but it was just you know a bit of, a bit of, you know, a bit of respect for the players went a long way and they always remembered us and I think I think essentially the way that the, the way that it worked was I wanted to get off the door so I, I went into events I, I, I was doing events anyway to raise money for my football team and I thought what can I do to make myself some money if I walk away from the door so I set up an event management company set up a couple Newcastle Legends came three years ago it was it was you know, off the back of the other companies that I'd set up. And I just felt Newcastle Legends was the right way to go forward because that's what I do, talk-ins with ex-players. So, um, built up those connections, as I say, on the door. And most of the lads, you know, said, yeah, I'll come and do a talking for you. I'm confident on the microphone. So, it made sense to go out and compare them myself. And, and, and that's what I do. So, as for events coming up, um, you can get on to newcastlelegends.com to see what we've got coming up. But I think the big ones are, are, are Sir Les. We've got Les Ferdinand coming back to Nine Bar on the 7th of September. Uh, and then on the 21st of September at the Lancastrian Suite, we've got uh, an evening with Gaza and Peter Beardsley, which um, you know, which we tried to do last year, but sadly Paul, you know, was taken ill. Um, I know his dad had been unwell at the time, and you know he wasn't feeling great himself. So we lost that, and we ended up just doing Beardsley. So we're going for it again. Paul's in a great shape at the minute, best best I've seen him in 25 years. So again, we've got that coming up. But we're constantly on the pubs and club circuit. Um, you know, we're doing one with Peter Beardsley down. Uh, in Monkseaton at the Black Horse uh, the first week in August and we're always doing pre-match somewhere uh, we're going to be doing filthies from this year uh, the start of the season we're going to be doing filthies in the big market doing pre-match down there with ex-players so you know, just keep an eye out on legend, uh, NewcastleLegends.com for any information on any of the events I don't, obviously, I don't want to use any material that gets, gets used on these events but have you got any quick stories you can tell us from, from working with the lads? I've oh, got a few, I suppose. Um, I mean, I think they've all got their own unique stories. Um, the, the person I work with the most always is always Supermac, Malcolm McDonald. And I know, I think, I think when Michael Martin had approached us to do um, like a podcast with 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 Supermac, I did say you're probably going to need about six. I mean, I go on, but uh, but Malcolm's got so many great stories, and you know, there's there's been so many. I think. I suppose my favourite is Tino um, because whenever Tino comes over, it's, it's always to come and do some some talkings for us and done some bizarre things like on, on nights out with Tino and and he's just you know because I don't have any clue what he's saying, he could be saying anything on the microphone and he always <laughs> insists on having Carlos his interpreter there and you know. Tino tends to be on the phone and I'm asking him a question and, and he just goes ah, nah, 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 nah. and then his interpreter goes so yes when the third when the, when the third goal went in I was delighted and uh, he could be saying anything you know so <laughs> I think what we should do is probably have a translator a real translator in the audience and telling us exactly what he says because he's probably slating me on every talking you know but but it's good you know we've, we've done some done some bizarre
of things. I think probably the best event I've ever done is is the entertainers, uh, the entertainers games. And you know, the first one was is, was more memorable because it's Kevin Keegan's. It was Kevin Keegan's last ever game as a manager, um, and his last ever substitute in football was me. Um, he put me on for Pavel Cernicek, God bless him, and uh, in front of what 10,000 people at Kingston Park Kevin Keegan's last substitution was me and, and, and Alan Shearer shouted some expletives as I went on um, and then I went on and gave a penalty away which which I conceded so it's uh, you know listen it's great it, I have a lot of fun because like all your listeners I'm a big Newcastle fan I know I'm like Marmite and not everybody likes us but you know that's part and parcel of putting your head above the parapet and you know I, en- I enjoy doing what I'm doing it's a dream it's a dream position for me to be in and you know working with legends who, who are getting to know and you know let's hope that uh, you know, Rafa stays for a long time and there's, there's there's longevity in it. We'll have a few legends to talk about over the next 10 years. Steve, thanks very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.